0: We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. We're in week four of hidden costs. Uh, We have talked about the hidden costs of family, the hidden costs of sex, and the hidden costs of work. And today we're going to talk about the hidden costs of money. Now why are these things so hidden? Well, it's because we're immersed in an operating system that wasn't designed to run them in the proper way they were designed. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, There are four main operating systems in this world that most of our technology runs off of, Windows, iOS, Android, or Linux. You know, those four operating systems, and you probably have your preference. uh, But here's what I know about them. They kind of all do the same thing, but they do them differently. So consequently... Uh, something, An application that's designed for all iOS doesn't work in Android. Or something that's designed in Linux doesn't operate well in Windows. Now, we have four operating systems in this world technology-wise. There's probably more. But we only have two operating systems when it comes to how humanity operates. In humanity, we have the kingdom of heaven... And sometimes, if you're looking through the pages of Scripture, it's called the kingdom of God or the kingdom of light. Uh, similar term, but it means the kingdom of heaven is an operating system, and we have the kingdom of this world. And sometimes, when you look through the pages of the Bible, it's referred to as the kingdom of darkness sometimes. Well, in these two operating systems, we were originally, in the, in the original creative order and framework, we were designed to operate in this operating system under the kingship and rulership of King Jesus. So that's how we were designed to live in dependence on God. But our first ancestors, Adam and Eve, they decided to kind of transfer. they be their own king to not live in dependence, but to live in independence. And consequently, they moved into the kingdom of this world. And we all now are born into this kingdom. And that means all of these applications we're talking about in this hidden cost series, the application of family, of work, of sex, and even money, they were all designed to operate here. But we find ourselves trying to figure them out here and we find out there's lots of bugs and glitches to how money, uh, family, our sexuality all operate because they were never designed to operate independent of God or apart from the kingdom of heaven. So uh, the good news is Jesus shows up on the scene and he declares he has good news. The kingdom of God has come. There's a new way. There's a new operating system. And now you and I have the ability as we place our, our faith in Jesus to move from the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of heaven, a brand new opportunity. The apostle Paul put it this way. He said this, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, the world, and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, the kingdom of heaven. He's rescued us, and he's transferred us from one kingdom to the other. So the act of following Jesus, and that's what we're big about here at One Church Too. We, we want to be people who follow Jesus and emulate Jesus and, and follow hard after him. Uh, the act of following him is bringing things. If we can go back to that last slide, of the two kingdoms, uh, we want to, even as we may make a decision to follow Jesus and we move into the kingdom of heaven, often we leave all of these other things operating in the kingdom of this world. The act of discipleship is bringing family and sex and money and time and, and uh, work. Uh, it's bringing, the act of discipleship is bringing it under his rulership it's bringing it under the authority of Jesus. So this week, we want to talk about money. And Jesus talked a lot about money. In fact, Jesus talked about money more than he talked about heaven, more than he talked about prayer, more than he even talked about faith. Why? Because Jesus understood that money, more than anything else, had an ability to gauge where our heart was at. He actually said this, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So What's important to someone? Well, follow the money. That's what's important to someone. If you wanna align your heart to God's heart, put your money where God's heart is, and your heart will follow. There's an alignment that naturally happens there. The problem is, when it comes to money, most of us put our trust in money in a way that we should be putting our trust in God. We look to money for our security, we look to uh, money for our significance, and if we're not careful, we begin to put our hope in money. Uh, and our security and money. And and if we get enough of it, God seems super unnecessary in that moment. (laughs) He doesn't seem we don't have a dependency on him. That's why Jesus taught us to pray and why we should daily pray. God, give us today our daily bread. Because if we have too much, we might not depend on God anymore. We might forget him. We might forget our dependence. When Jesus talked about the rich people, and he said it was difficult for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God, he wasn't saying it's impossible. He was saying, why is it difficult? Because uh, they, they have the illusion of being independent and not in need. And to be dependent on God is the pathway to enter into his kingdom. It's to acknowledge that this money is fleeting, but you are eternal. My hope and trust is in these things. My hope and trust is in you and you alone. So today we're gonna take a moment and look at a story found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 21. And it's interesting. Jesus highlights this poor unnamed widow. And we get a gift, a moment. And I, I hope you really enjoy this journey. It's pretty fascinating. We get a picture of what, how God views money from the kingdom of God perspective as opposed to the kingdom of this world. And let's acknowledge, we're all so immersed. All of us have some deep-held beliefs around money that maybe maybe you could just suspend judgment on some of what Jesus will say here so you don't uh, jump ahead, but you open yourself up to hear how he views it. So let's pick up the reading in Luke chapter 21, just the first four verses. It says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. It's an interesting passage of scripture. Jesus is outside the temple. This is where these giving boxes would have been. They were actually large bronze receptacles. It was a very noisy event, uh, taking up the offering. that <laughs> People would come in, they'd line up, and they put in their, there was no paper currency, there was no electronic currency, it was coins. So it was noisy people would drop their money in there and you could tell who the big givers were right away away, by the sound that resonated from these bronze receptacles. You knew who it was. And I'm sure people would line up and they'd be looking at the people coming and they'd be kind of sizing up. Who's the big giver? Oh, he's got an Armani robe on. Look at those Jordan 1 sandals, or, 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 or she's got a Prada purse. Do you see that thing? The Louis Vuitton? You know, they, they'd be gauging it up. People bring extra coins. I like how it references this in the Gospel of Mark. It says they threw their money in. You know, I don't know if you're one of those people, but you know, you're, you need to be noticed. Uh, they threw their money down, make a bigger gong. The big noise gave away who the big givers were. But here's what we learn in the story. Heaven hears things differently than we do. In fact, the noise that gets heaven's attention is different from the noise that often gets our attention. This is a really important concept when you understand these two kingdoms at play. What gets a lot of the buzz and noise in the kingdom of this world barely makes an echo in the kingdom of heaven. And some of the stuff that we even despise and we think, oh, what of that in the kingdom of this world is exactly what gets the attention of God in heaven. She puts in two little coins. In that busy moment, well, after all those big offerings have gone in and the noise going around there, when she puts in those two coins, uh, nobody even heard it in the kingdom of this world. But it rattled the gates of heaven. It grabs the attention of the person of Jesus. And Jesus says this in Luke chapter 21, verse three, he says, the poor widow has put in, can you say this word with me? More. She has put in more than all the others. That's a little troubling statement. Why? Because she didn't put in more. (laughs) She couldn't possibly have put in more, but Jesus says that she put in more. See, we see the word more as a math term right? If I, was to ask, if I was to ask you, is 10 more than nine? You would say yes. And you would also add, it's not my opinion. 10 is always more than nine. How often? Always. It's always more than nine. We see it as a math term, but Jesus is using more differently here. Again, we're getting a, a, a distinguishing difference between the two kingdoms and the way he measures more. She gives two copper coins, it says. This, this would have been what was called a mite in that ancient culture. That was the currency she was giving. Uh, this was 164th of the daily wage in that era. The daily wage was called a denarius. So if you worked a day labor, you get a denarius. 164th of a denarius was a mite, and that's what she gives. In Canadian terms, the average annual salary in Canada and across all regions in 2022 was $38,922. It's about $150 a day. One sixty-fourth of that is $2.34. And Luke is saying, this woman has $2.34. That's what she has. That's all she has. And she gives $2.34. And this gets the attention of Jesus. It gets his attention. And from our perspective, and from my perspective, it's not much of a gift. It's not much of a gift. But from Jesus' perspective, she's given more than all the others. And it's interesting, in the Gospel of Mark, it goes further. The Gospel of Mark says this, that she gave more than all the others combined. combined. All the people that gave that day, she gave more than them. And this is hard for us to see, because we see money from the kingdom of this world perspective, and it's so deeply entrenched in us. There's a great book called God and Money, and it's written by two Harvard business grads, and they talk about, they're followers of Jesus, that when you become a follower of Jesus, you really need to gauge how you handle money, and there needs to be a shift in the way you approach it and see it. So I want to do a little test with each of you. And you you just keep it to yourself. If you're viewing with other people, this is just for you. But it's a little multiple choice test. And so let's answer this question because our money kind of flows under three categories in the kingdom of God. And one is spending. And so I want you to answer this question when it comes to spending. The spending in my life is effortless. Maybe if you're A, you love to spend, you love to spend. Or maybe it's bothersome. You wish you could spend less you're always feeling anxious about spending, or C, it's controlled. you control. controlled. You feel good about the way you're managing your spending. So just in your mind, is it A, you, know, you just love to spend? Is it B, you just love to save? Or is it C, uh, you, you're controlled with your spending? And then the other aspect is saving. So, you know, A, B, C, remember that. The saving in my life is effortless, uh, the, the saving in my life oh, I, I, is effortless. I love building wealth. I love building wealth. It's, it's, it's bothersome. Uh, it's inconvenient. It gets in the way of having fun. Are you that type of person? Or C, it's purposeful. I have healthy and reasonable goals, and I have a plan to get there. And then finally, giving is the other part of how we steward our finances. The giving in my life is obligatory. I do it because I have to. It's formulaic, I just kind of plug and play. Or it's joyfully overflowing. Now, here's the thing. If you answered all A's, then you have a spending mentality. If you answered all B's, you have a saving mentality. If you answer all C's, you have a, 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 a giving mentality. And a spender, a spender invests in the present. And this is really important. This is a good thing. Some people get so locked in on saving that they, they don't enjoy the present. Uh, money is meant to be stewarded well each day. Uh, some of us could unlock maybe a bit of our hands to enjoy some of what God has blessed us with and, and, and help our families enjoy that. But spending is investing in the present. And then some of you are really good at that, though. A saving is investing in your future. The book of Proverbs and other portions of the scripture encourages us to save, to invest in our future. And then giving is an investment in eternity though. And this woman in Luke chapter 21 gets this. She doesn't give much, but she gives more. She doesn't give much, but she gives more because she's embraced this giving in the kingdom of God. Now, to be honest, when I read this story, and I've read this story many times over the years, I've probably spoken on a couple of times in the many churches I've been in. Every time I read this story, I feel like Jesus should have done this differently. I feel like he should have saw what she was going to give and said, "Dear one, hey, you don't need to do that. You need this money. You keep it." Because to be honest with you, that's what I would have done. If I'd seen this poor widow in need and she's coming to give, I would have been like, "Hey, it's okay. It's okay." We got you covered. No worries. But he doesn't do it because Jesus sees things that I don't see. He knows that his father is going to take care of her. He knows it. He also knows that she will be rewarded in heaven and he doesn't want to rob her of her reward. Jesus sees things from a different vantage point, from the kingdom of God perspective. See, The psalmist says this in the Old Testament. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in the world and all who live in it. Can you say that out loud with me? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world, all of it, and all who live in it. So what doesn't belong to God? Nothing. Everything belongs to God. So he has no need of more because how can you have more if you have everything, right? Right? So the whole concept of more is seen different from the perspective of God. So when Jesus sees and talks about, uses the term more, he's seeing it from a different perspective, the kingdom of God's perspective. Jesus defines more as not by portion, but by percentage. Jesus defines more, not by the portion this woman gives, but by the percentage that she gives or the proportion that she gives that's how he defines more. This is significance. This is really significant. All that she had percentage-wise, she's the big giver that day. I remember uh, years ago, I've I've shared this story. I've shared stories from when Shelly and I planted a church in in Nova Scotia. Uh, Well, I was 23, 22. We were just kids. And we planted this church and it grew. God blessed it. And be, But because we were a church plant, our, the district oversight, that kind of oversight, we are accountable to, uh, entrusted us to uh, mature churches that were there to support us and pray for us. It was a great concept. One of those churches invited us to speak at their Christmas banquet, and it was in a little village called East Green Harbor, Nova Scotia. You can Google it. <laughs> a little village. And we drove down with our little family, and we came in there, and we went to speak at their, their Christmas banquet. And at the, you know, right away when we walked into that church, we saw their great need. They had, they had one musician, he was 80-something years old, and he played one chord, one, one key, and if you're a musician, you understand that can be problematic with singing, and, and uh, he was quite deaf, so he didn't even know when the worship leader stopped singing. It was, it, they just had a lot of needs. It was quite humbling. And at the end of the gathering, when we'd done speaking, they called us all up front, and they gave us gifts. They gave my boys some toys. They gave Shelly a dress that didn't quite fit her. Wasn't her size, wasn't her style. They gave me shoes that didn't fit me. And they gave me a hat they had knit. You know, if I came to the end of my ministry life and you were to ask me, what was the most you ever got paid for speaking at a conference, speaking somewhere? I'd have to say, unequivocally, a knitted hat. Definitely, they gave everything they had. It was humbling to be there. It's percentage giving, not portion giving, that matters to God and that grabs the heart of God. Jesus defines more, not by the sum, but by the sacrifice. Not by the sum, but by the sacrifice. So we join King David in saying, I'm not going to offer the Lord anything that doesn't cost me something. I'm not going to offer him anything that doesn't cost me something. It has to cost me something to show my commitment to him, to show my thanksgiving, my expression of gratitude for all that he's done. It can't cost me nothing. So I believe one of the reasons God has blessed this church, one church, Theo, over the years, is Pastor Keith, the previously pastor and before that, have always emphasized not equal gifts but equal sacrifice. One of the things I love about this church is the pastors, including me and the deacons, we don't know what anyone gives in this church. So if you've given, you know, a lot to this church and you're waiting for a thank you note from me, it's not coming because I don't know. I don't know. We don't know what anyone gives. The only person I know how much they give in this church is me. I know what I give, but I don't know what anyone else gives. And I think that's really good. I think it's really healthy. Not all churches are the same this way, but I think it's potentially dangerous to know because I could begin to measure things according to the kingdom of this world instead of the kingdom of God. And then I could get confused. I could get confused and think the CEO of some corporation who might give $1,000 a week is the big giver when actually the big giver is a single mom who gives $10 a week. See, God just doesn't see things the same way. One of the other reasons we refuse to know, we don't want to know, is we don't want to rob any giver of their blessing. It's interesting how Jesus says this. He says this. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. This is really hard in our culture because we like to announce it on social media. Look at me being generous here. (laughs) As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others, I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And what Jesus is saying here is, listen, if you give and you're giving uh, to get noticed or to be recognized, that's okay. But recognize that is your reward. Your reward will be to be recognized and to be noticed in the moment. One of the reasons I love to give to this church is that there are no, it, there's no ego in it because there's no perks. There's no special parking place for you. There's no plaque you get somewhere. There's no special seat assigned to you. No, there's no perks because Jesus says, your reward is in heaven. So, where, is, where, where are you at with money? Uh, how does this teaching uh, infect or affect or what are the implications for you? Uh, there's, in that same book, uh, God and Money, by those two Harvard businessmen. It was, a, it was such a great read. I, I enjoyed it so much. They, they developed a little bit of chart that recognized we're all at different places financially. So how do we take a baby step in bringing our money under the king, rulership of Jesus in the kingdom of God or the, the kingdom of heaven? And they, they talk about four different zones. And I like their talking. The first zone is just, this might represent some of you that are watching uh, today today. In the first zone, this, this is where we don't have enough. We don't have enough income and we don't have enough wealth. There's a difference between the two. Income is what we need to run our daily lives and wealth is us what we're saving to take care of ourselves in the future or take care of our grandchildren or somebody else in the future. And we're to do both to be good stewards with what God gives. So some of us find ourselves in a place of need tonight and we're gonna pray for you at the end of this gathering. But, but in that place of need, Here's the faith step, just like that widow did. Just take a baby step to give something and save something. It it might look ridiculously small saving, whatever it is. Begin to practice something with what you have now for what God will bless you with in the future. So just give something, save something if you find yourself in that place. Some of you are in zone two though, you have enough to live on, you have enough income, but you have not taken care of the future. You're consuming, you're using everything that comes in. So if you're in that category, you have enough coming in, here's the strategy for you. You need to develop a plan where you can give a lot and save a lot. Give a lot and save a lot. If you've got enough coming in, how can I give a lot? How can I save a lot? If you're in category number three, this is kind of a unique one. I think uh, retirees are in this category. Entrepreneurs can be in this category. And it's where you might have a lot of wealth, but you don't have a lot of income right now. Uh, and your wealth is maybe locked up. You have a liquidity issue. Maybe it's locked up in investments or RSPs or or an investment in uh, you're an entrepreneur in a company or a plan. So you you find yourself maybe the income is is lower, but you're okay in the savings. So when when you find yourself in this category, you wanna develop a plan where you can begin to give something. Find a creative way to leverage whatever wealth you've been able to accumulate that God has blessed you with to be generous. And because you don't need to be saving in this one. So you're just gonna look to begin to practice more generosity. And some of you might be in category number four. This is truly financial freedom. Uh, You don't need to save anymore. You've got more than enough. You've got more than enough income. And this is an opportunity for you to practice radical giving or radical generosity. You know the old adage, you can't take any of this with you. Uh, But Jesus would say you can send it ahead though. You can send it ahead by storing up treasure in heaven. So one of the ways and one of the practices to help keep our minds on our money in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven way so that we are not just operating out of the kingdom of this world is a concept in scripture called tithing. Now, what is tithing? Well, tithing is giving back to God 10% of what he has given us through the local church that we love. Uh, Many of us, or maybe even watching this right now, that are members of this church, we we do this, we practice this. It's the act of giving God. We recognize everything we have has come from God and we're gonna give back 10% of what he's given through our local church, the church that we love, and that would be this church. So so I got a challenge for you just before we uh, pray. The directional leadership team of this church, our deacons and our staff have been taking some really big, bold faith steps this year some of which you might not even be aware of, but you will be. (laughs) If you've been in our facility, our physical campus, you know that we've been renovating all the main floor bathrooms uh, to make them accessible so everybody can be welcomed here. And it's over a $400,000 investment in our facility there. Uh, many of you wouldn't know that we're going to, over the course of the summer, renovate our gymnasium, put in a wood floor, and, 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 and make it and prepare it really well for sports, uh, men, young men and young women uh, that maybe through sports can experience the love of Jesus and experience the, 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 the kingdom of heaven in their own lives. And we're gonna be renovating our chapel for our church family and for our community. And we're doing all of this to make room for more people, blowing open the doors of the church, one of our five bold moves, to make more room for more people. One of the things we've done too is we've been adding some more staff for two reasons, to help as a church go deeper and wider, wider in reaching more people so that everybody has the opportunity to hear the good news about Jesus. But deeper, we're really committed to journeying with the followers of Jesus in our church, to have his kingdom come and his will be done in their work, in their lives, in their, in their workplaces, in their homes as it is in heaven. So my challenge for you is to consider this. If you already give at one church deal, I want to challenge you to consider uh, an additional 1% of your income that you would consider giving to this church to fuel this vision and mission, this big faith step that our deacons and our directional leadership team and our staff are taking, to consider doing that and setting aside. I know if we all did it, it would make a huge difference. And for some of us, it's sacrificial. I get it. It's interesting when you read about sacrifice in scripture, it's never an obligation. And this is why there's so many verses. Like, Like Friends, if you're in a tough place, listen, we're just gonna pray for you. Uh, and if you, you're not a follower of Jesus, this message isn't even for you, but you're getting a peek on what it means to live a radically generous life as, as a person who does follow Jesus. But sacrifice is never an obligation in Scripture. It's an opportunity. Uh, Jesus shares these words. He says this, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Jesus is talking about sacrifice. And don't get fixated on this. Some people get fixated. He's using language we understand. What he's trying to say is it's more than you can imagine. It's more than you can imagine. It's not an obligation. It's an opportunity. You see, I had this picture one day, and I don't want to be in heaven someday, and God's passing out all these rewards. And you see me over there in the corner, and you're like, dude, Why didn't you tell me about this? Why didn't you mention this to me? See, I know this with great confidence because I've seen it in my own life. When you put God first in this life with your finances, God has a way of resourcing you. He, He loves you. He knows your needs. And he'll take care of us. And when we practice giving, we push back against the materialism and greed that so easily blinds us and creates in us a, a, a foothold in the kingdom of this world instead of the kingdom of heaven, so in closing, I, I just want to pray with you I want to pray for those who might be finding themselves out of work right now. I want to pray for those who are struggling financially, and I want to pray for those who you have enough you don 't you never feel like you have enough isn 't that true though, uh, but that God would help you with the discipline to be able to manage your spending your saving, and your giving let 's pray well, Father, thank you God for these great truths that Jesus, your son Jesus, teaches. And God, we acknowledge as a community, this is tough. Uh, there's something about talking about money and sex that feels very awkward. And these two topics we have, we have handled during this Hidden cost series because we recognize you spoke a lot about them. So God, we just in this moment just surrender. Not our will, but your will be done. And God, we collectively pray for anyone who might be out of work right now that's it, that looking. That's looking. God, would you open the right door? Would you help Jehovah Jireh, the provider of your children? Would you provide opportunities for employment for those who need work? And God, for those who may have work, but it's not compensating them at a level to keep their head above water, whether it's management issues or whether it's just uh, bandwidth issues, God, would you stretch their dollars? Would you come and help resource them like you did with the widow in the Old Testament? May you just increase what they have, God, to provide for their needs, God. And Lord, we pray for, I pray for every one of us, God, that we would take a deeper step into the kingdom of heaven and how we manage our money. God, would you help those who have no problem spending, but they have trouble saving and giving to to limit themselves in order to experience the freedom of saving and experience the joy of giving. God, we pray for those who really save well, but, but spending and giving is tough for them. God, help them to trust you so much that fear doesn't drive them to hoard, but instead, God, they recognize that it's all in your hands. You, we can't take it with us. So help them to enjoy those things in this life and spend, and help them to store up treasure in heaven and give. And God, we pray that all of us would develop a greater kingdom mindset and being more generous with what you've first been generous with us. We recognize every good and perfect gift comes from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing, both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash nextsteps. See you next time.